When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to A Court of Fairies and Fangirls. I'm Alex. And I'm Sarah. And this is a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast where we are obsessed with her books and can't stop thinking about them or talking about them. So we figured why not record us thinking and talking about it. We're going to break down chapters, go through each book separately, go into character analysis and any thoughts or kind of theories that we have about books, characters, plots, etc. And maybe play some fun games along the way. Exactly. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. This is a mini-sode, but a very special mini-sode. Super special. We are here with the Rebecca Yaros, author of Fourth Wing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We received an advanced reader copy of her book and fell in love with it. And so we have this opportunity to chat with her. And we wanted to share her amazingness with all of you. Yes. So Rebecca, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Um, (laughs) I have like, I don't know, probably about 15 to 17 uh, books published already. So I've been writing for... 10-ish years or so. Um, I, I usually write contemporary romance, but fantasy is my first love. I have six kids and my husband just retired from the military. So we're finally like stationary in one location and I love it. And that's about it. That's Amazing. Me. What about like Hogwarts house? What about your Enneagram? Any fun personality things? Um, I am a Gryffindor. Ooh, which is really cool because we have eight members of our family, six kids and you know two adults, and we have two from every house. That's so cool. I love it's that. It's super it is super fun. So I'm a Gryffindor with my uh with my second son and I am an INFP. Mm, I am so, married to an INFP. I feel like I know you so much better now. <laughs> we're we're fun we're fun people. I at least I think we are. He, he likes to tell me that you're the rarest of personality types. I think everyone thinks that. I think that you could Google that and like, am I the rarest? And it'll come up. Like, I think everyone likes likes to be the rarest because yeah. there's tons of there's tons of times I'll say that that one's the rarest. Or um, I can't remember what the other personality test is with the numbers. The, um, uh, Enneagram. No, not the Enneagram. The other one, like where you're a two through a nine or, a, or one through a nine or something like that. Yeah, that's Enneagram. Is it, oh, is it the Enneagram? So I'll read like what those are and like what the rarest are over here, but then it'll say this one's rarest. I think everyone just likes to be special. <laughs> I think we all like to think we're the rarest. We do. Mm-hmm. Too funny. Yeah. Definitely um, an odd duck. <laughs> well, so like you mentioned, like you're an established author who's written several romance novels. So what inspired you to jump into the fantasy world? Sure. Uh, fantasy is my first love. So I grew up reading like Mercedes Lackey and Anne McCaffrey and, and Larry Dixon and, and all of those. Um, and that's where my, my heart really was. And the first novel I wrote uh, was back in like 2010. And I wrote it page at night, page at night while my husband was in Afghanistan, because there was like there was a few years where he was just always in Afghanistan. Um, 
And so when he came back, I had a book, right? I had written a book and it was fantasy and it was my first love and I got an agent for it. And it was like, oh, the, the birds are singing. And then it died on submission. Oh. And uh, like dying on submission is like, uh, it's where publishing houses won't reject you, but they don't accept the manuscript either. They just like leave you in this like limbo state. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of died on, died on submission. And while it was on sub, he was prepping to go back to Afghanistan. Cause again, that's just where he was. And, um, I wrote this novel called full measures as like a, like just, I had all these emotions and kind of wanted to pour them into a book and that book got picked up and sold and published. Like it published a month after he came home from that deployment. It was the oh, fastest thing I had ever seen. And so, and I love romance. Don't get me wrong. Like if I'm going to read a book, it has to have a romance plot or subplot, or you can't keep Absolutely. my interest. And like, I get it. People, not everyone is that way, but I am. If there's no romance, eh, I'm peace out. It can have all the greatest friendships in the world, but like, that's what keeps me turning the pages is for sure. Is that romance? So, um, so when one of my friends called and said that she knew Red Tower was going to be doing fantasy, I've been with Entangled since 2014. They've published all of my traditionally published books. Um, and so I went to my agent. I was like, I want to do this. And she was like, really? I'm like, yeah. She's like, all right, let's go. And so I'm lucky enough that Liz Peltier, who's the head of Entangled in Red Tower, has been my editor before. And I've known her since, you know, forever and ever and ever. And I was like, oh, I want to write fantasy. And she was like, sweet, seriously? And I'm like, yes absolutely she's like okay let's go and we have fourth wing so it's it's funny because it is like a a switch in the genre I'm published in but it's actually my first love so it's a lot like coming home if that makes any sense so wait is this book the book that died on submission or is this a totally no Okay. No, dude, that book is a desk drawer book and it lives there until I find the energy to like go back and fix what debut author Rebecca didn't know. And like, in mm. 13 years later, I know exactly what's wrong with it. Good Lord. Like, <laughs> like I look at it now and I'm like, oh, I'm like you know, you can't, you can't see the light of day. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> but uh, maybe one day I'll, I'll go back for it. But no, fourth wing is completely different. I sent Liz, um, who's my editor, I sent her five different pitches, which is kind of hard when you're doing fantasy because it's like five different worlds, five different concepts. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the dragons. And I'm like, really? The dragons? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, the dragons. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, let's roll. Because I had just thrown it in there. They said, this is kind of what they were looking for. And I was like, oh yeah, I love Dragon Riders of Hearn. I can totally, let's do, let's do Dragon Riders. Oh, Aragon, let's go. <laughs> And then that was the one they went with. And it's like, oh, was not prepared. <laughs> was, was not prepared. So yeah, um, but no, it's not, it's not that first book. That first book is tucked away <laughs> where it shall remain. No worries. Um, your editors or your agent, I'm sorry, her response to Dragons was my response when Sarah told me, hey, I got us an advanced reader copy and it's about Dragons. I was like, Dragons? It's Dragons? I was... <laughs> so excited. Dragons are so much fun. I'm so excited about this book. Thank you. And I love them. Um, I'm really excited. That was what she, what she picked and what we, what we ended up going with, uh, my, for my editor, what, what pitch she went with. Um, it's so much fun to me because their characters, like they're, they're very much characters in their own right. And they have their own governing system and their own laws and their own rules. And they're so pompous and so arrogant 
and so just like superior, like they find themselves to be the superior species and they don't answer to humans, which mm-hmm. I kind of love because I, I, they do love their writers, but they're also like the rest of you, meh. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I love them. They're fun. And I think that's honestly like a great segue because that was kind of one of the things that I found so unique about your book was that the dragons are actual characters in the book. Like yes. most of the time it's like, people just ride dragons or they're just like a creature, but you gave them personality and gifts and all this. And like, I was so inspired by that. Like I, I was so attached to the dragons, which I've never really been before. So I thought that was such a cool thing that you added. Oh, thank you. I love them. They're people to me. Um, and I love that they have their own, their own government. It cracks me up because there's so many things like humans are like, we don't know. They won't tell us (laughs) like, we don't know why they're doing this. They won't tell us. Um, and I, I love that, like Taryn is um, very much like a diesel, my dog. I just, I just lost him about two months ago. But when I was writing this, he was, I know, bulldogs, man, they don't, they don't live forever. Unfortunately, he was 12 and a half and he had this like, get off my lawn energy. <laughs> and that's kind of what I brought, what I brought into there it was very much diesels, diesels get off my lawn energy. But, um, and it's, it's fun. It's hard. My poor editor, the cast is so huge. Like when you, when you bring in dragons and you have to remember whose dragon is what and what color that dragon is and what tail that dragon has and, um, and who is, is bonded to whom it's, it's, I feel very bad for them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, Trying to keep like, it all straight. I, I did not feel lost no. at any point. Oh, thank you, you did a great job. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me happy. so do you want to tell us about like how you got inspired by like the world like how did you create this whole world sure um so when we or when I was doing the pitches I when I pace a lot I pace a lot like at three o'clock in the morning when my house was quiet and I listened to a lot of music and I was really intrigued by the idea and I'm hoping it's not spoiler if it's spoiler you guys can decide of these people who hate each other. Cause I, I, enemies to lovers is something I usually struggle with because in contemporary romance, like it's kind of hard to have an enemy in contemporary romance, like a real honest enemy. But in this world, I knew I wanted this, this, these enemies to lovers. And when you have a forced proximity, all I could think was if, if their dragons are, mm-hmm. are mated, then you can't get away from each other. And especially as tangled as they are in the bonding and, and who lives and who doesn't, if, if, one of these dominoes falls. That was what I fell in love with was that relationship. And I had originally pitched it to be like a military unit. And, and I'm known, but my entire backlist is military romance. Mm -hmm. So it's something I'm very, very comfortable with. And it had been the only pitch I gave that had a military element to it. And my editor was like, dude, we're just going to lean into that. What do you think about doing it at a war college instead of an army unit? I'm like, yeah, dude, I love new adult. Eight of my books are new adult. Mm -hmm. I think new adult is to me, the best possible age because you get to make these huge mistakes Mm -hmm. and and be forgiven for them because 20-year-olds make giant mistakes. I don't know about you. I I make tons of mistakes (laughs) at 20. So you get to make the mistakes that you can kind of make in YA, but you have that maturity and who doesn't love that college atmosphere? And and, and I love romance and... And, and sex, so, you know what I mean? So I love that they have, that you can have all those elements in a war college. Mm-hmm. So once I heard war college, I thought, okay, how are we going to do this? Okay, if you were in a major, knowing what war colleges we have here, 
you would have infantry, you would have healers Mm -hmm. and scribes. Scribes were really important to me because I wanted to drive home who controls the flow of information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was really, really important to me. So it just kind of appeared. I know that sounds crazy. And as I started writing it, my, um, my editor was like, it's a lot of walls and turrets. I'm like, yeah, the fortress, walls and turrets, walls and turrets. Cause scenery is never like my forte. I love dialogue and emotional things. And, and when you write contemporary, it's easy to say like, and as we're set in the academic hallway, cause your mind is going to bring whatever you think an academic right. hallway looks like. And in fantasy, that doesn't work like that. You have to like, you have to actually describe things. So that kind of came to life. And I wrote I wrote the synopsis, it ended up being like eight pages, God help me. Um, it was an eight page synopsis, turned that in and they were like, yes, okay, we're, you know, first chapter. And I wrote the first chapter. And then I went into the hospital with my son. He was having a titanium bar put in his chest. And um, and I told Liz, I'm like, I'm gonna be out for a week. And then she's texting me like, you're gonna launch the line. And I'm like, wait, what? She's like, this is gonna launch the line. When can you write this book? And I'm like, oh, 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 because I thought it was just going to be like another, you know, just another fantasy book. And, and it just kind of went from there. So the world kind of developed as, as I wrote it. Mm-hmm. So when I was like, they're going to have an obstacle course, the gauntlet didn't come to me until I sat back and said, what's the most terrifying obstacle course I could possibly <laughs> think of? And even my editor's like, this is like a slope, right? I'm like, no, it's cut into the cliff. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, that's, it's really hard. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I asked her, I was like, and how many kids can I kill? Cause to me, they're kids because I'm 40. Right. <laughs> and so I'm about to be 42. So, and she's like, kill them all, whatever you want. Rose of grace. It was gravestones. And I was like, bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let's, so fun. let's roll. So, um, and I think everything else just kind of comes along as, as you write it, but as Gaius to me, just kind of came as an entity and I knew the writers had to be separated from the rest of the school because they're pompous elitist a-holes mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just the best way to put it so it just kind of came as I wrote it and then I drew I drew this horrible map <laughs> this horrible map on like whiteboard where it was just like squiggle squiggle draw squiggle draw and then I had to turn it into my editor and you guys can't see this who are listening but I'm gonna roll back and and it, they turned it into this this map that that's hanging behind me. Beautiful. Right. And the first time I saw it, it was like, oh, fuck, that's what happens when you have artistic talent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because my drawing was like, this should be kind of circular and this should be like, I don't know, a peninsula and this should be, you know, so. That's amazing. It's fun. It's it really is. Fun. That's like, I feel like creating a whole world is like peak creativity. Mm-hmm. It is. And there's a lot of pressure, I think, that goes with it just because you have to decide every single thing about your world, right? But you also get to, but it also has to be kind of logical. So you you get to set all your own rules, but then you have to follow them. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of times in edits where my editor would be like, well, what if we do this? And I'm like, well, we have a world rule that says this. Or we're just like, well, if you have this world rule that says this, we have to do that. So you have to make sure you set your world rules and and you keep them. But you, And you're also trying to make sure, because I'm a huge lover of fantasy romance, that you're not too similar to anybody else, mm-hmm. which can happen when, when you're reading yep. a fantasy romance. So you have to like drop all, all the fantasy you're reading and be like, no, you must, you must go that way. Um, and make sure that not, not a lot of your things 
line up because there's tropes and tropes are always always going to be tropes but you just have to be really really cautious when developing your world that you didn't lean on anybody else yeah mm-hmm. no yours felt extremely unique like I've never heard of anything like this before so you did a fantastic job thank you we, I think tell things... that we loved it yeah oh thank you it's, it's it'd be awkward if it was like and it was this it was all right like subpar I'm like oh that's that's good and I was terrified so thank you I'm really glad I was scared to death releasing it that the reviews would come in they'd be like dude stay in your lane like stay in your romance oh. lane I was terrified like just Whew. yeah I feel like that's the moment like though that. when you are most scared that's when I, the best stuff like comes out of you like you know what I mean like it's that yeah. pressure, it's that edge and you're like I gotta do this and I don't know something about that always makes me like up my game a little bit or you know create the the best thing I could have I don't know I love it I think it's great mm-hmm. thank you and I would say that I think as many books as I've written it's the ones that scared me when I wrote them that I'm most proud of and that I know turned out the best. Like if I have to look at a twist and think, can I pull this off? It's a scary twist. Like can, how do you layer in just enough so that people can read it the second time and see, oh, this is where it was going, mm-hmm. but also not be like, this is where it's going. Right. So <laughs> it's, I like the books that scare me. So this is a, right. We mentioned this is a different genre. I want to understand what was your favorite moment to write in this book? And does it tie in with, you know, the kind of work that you've already done or was it a new kind of thing you got to write? I, I think there's always moments, like at least for me, when I start plotting a book, like when it starts to take, you know, take shape in my head um, where I can kind of see those scenes. I'm so excited to write that, that pop off the page and really, I sit down and I'm like, I get to write this today. I'm going to be, it is never the battle scene. Let's just say that. Like I never sit down and I'm like, I get to write a battle scene today. Like that is no, no. So for me in this one, there's a scene and this isn't spoilery where she's been defeating her proponents one at a time using her wits because she's weaker. Um, And just so you guys know, she has what I have. I have Ehlers-Danlos. And so she has, the fantasy version of, of Ellers Danlos, I would say. Um, and when her, you know, Zayden steps onto the mat that first time and he's like, oh no, your, your opponent couldn't show up today. I knew I loved the sexual tension of sparring with someone you hate, but also being like, ooh, am I attracted to this? No, <laughs> crap. Wait, am I? No, I shouldn't be. And I think there's a moment where she's like, I'm not attracted to toxic men. And she's like, oh, maybe I am. <laughs> so I kind of, I loved that. Uh, threshing was a scene that I had in my head that I was really excited for, uh, which is when they choose the dragons for anyone who hasn't, hasn't read it, or the dragons choose them rather. They have no part in choosing the dragons at all. Dragons control control all of that. And that is something unique to fantasy. So sexual tension I'm used to from writing contemporary romance, but I don't write a lot of like fight scenes that are sexual tension-y. And so I always worry, like, I don't ever want violence to bleed over into romance. Yeah. So, so there's like a fine line of, of where's that hot and where's that just, eh, no, we're not going to do it that way. Um, but definitely thrashing, which is something I couldn't have done in without fantasy, you have to, you have to have the dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of known for killing people in my contemporary books. Mm-hmm. Oh, it gosh. just happens. <laughs> I do. Um, 
I just, I, I don't know why. I just, I like to torture people, I think. Like people as they read, not like my torture characters too. So that that's pretty normal. But um, really, I think I was mostly excited to get to draw. There are certain parallels between what's happening in Navarre, which is their kingdom, and what happens in everyday life around us mm. that I was super excited to draw somewhat comparisons to if that makes any sense no it totally does we we picked up on that we were talking about that too that's Mm -hmm. awesome it was fun and it's fun you get to like cement with your editor like this is important to me like this out of everything this is this is what's important to me um but yeah I really love that scene with Zayden and I also love the scene where she finally gets her powers channeled and her dragon's emotions overpower her Mm -hmm. and she's like oh what is going on? I love, I love those kind of things. Cause you, yeah. you can't do that in contemporary, like no one's in your head in contemporary romance. No. Uh, well, let's talk about the other male in this book. Yeah. Dane. Mm. yeah. Lots of tension around him, but not, you know, <laughs> the lovely sexual tension that we adore with Zayden. Right. So thinking about Dane, Um, how do you think he held her back, helped her grow uh, with that interesting relationship? So I have such, I guess, not an unpopular opinion because I don't think there's anybody having opinions yet. Um, I love Dane. Mm -hmm. I I love Dane. Dane to me is an example of the love you think you want. Mm. And when you're younger, because Dane is a year older than she is. So she hasn't seen him in a year. So in that year that she hasn't seen him and because writers aren't allowed to have contact with their family or loved ones for that first year, because basically the college is trying to break them of, of familial contacts. Um, she's had a year to kind of fantasize what it would be like to see him again. Mm-hmm. And he's had a year of absolute trauma. <laughs> like yeah. it's as fun as it is to read the war college. And it's, it's especially in writing the second book right now, <clears throat> you can see the difference between first and second year. And so there's a scene when right after parapet, which is when they have to cross this giant stone bridge. Um, I know you guys know that. I just feel like I have to tell people who are listening. Um, And they're in formation and everybody is scared. They're just terrified, right? And these dragons landing on the outer wall and it is overwhelming and scary. Dane's like, ah, we're going to call the Masons again. Mm -hmm. Like he's so relaxed and so chill because doesn't scare him anymore. They, it doesn't scare any of the second years. They know what to expect. So Dane has become very hardened and in that year has gone through what Violet goes through in her first year and how that changes someone. And so Dane, it, for Dane, it's all about protecting Violet mm-hmm. and his urge to get her out, thinking that she cannot survive it. And he refuses to see she's frozen for him at, you know, at 19 at when he saw her last and she's going through all these things that help her grow. And she's saying, I'm not that person anymore. And he refuses to see it. And Dane has such a rigidity about him um, that he doesn't find the rules flexible whatsoever. The rules are the rules. And that happens a lot. Like my parents are, um, are both Lieutenant colonels retired and my husband just did 22 years in the military. So when you're raised in a military family, the rules, the rules, and that's all there is to it, which is mm-hmm. what Dane is. And Zayden has that flexibility to the rules. Like when he tells Violet, the right, uh, the right way isn't the only way. Mm-hmm. And that's not what Dane thinks. Dane thinks this is the right way. And he's so concerned with getting her out that he refuses to let her grow. 
Yeah. Does that make, you know, like he's, he's so focused on, you can't survive here. And Zayden's like, figure it out, man. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to have to grow with it. So I think he's a really good example of the love you think you want at that age, you know, and then Zayden's very much an example of the love that pushes you to grow. Mm. I also wondered when I was reading it, I, I know for me personally, if someone doesn't think I can do something, I'm like, I'm going to show you like bet. So I, in a mm-hmm. way it was like, I also wondered if it like helped spur her on even more to like prove a point, if you will, that sounds a little petty, but like that can also be a driver. Mm-hmm. It is. And I'm the same way. If you tell me I can't do like the number one way to get me to do something is tell me I can't. Yep. And then, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Watch, watch, watch this happen. Um, she does definitely have the need of like, I can do this. And once she realizes that at her core, she is a writer, because there's a point where she's like, I'm a scribe, I'm a scribe, I'm a scribe, this is not okay. And then she switches to maybe I am a writer to I'm a writer. And she definitely has part of it. that's proving to Dane, I can do this, but she mostly proves it to herself. Yeah. And, and at that time, when she makes that growth in that leap to I am a writer, and here I am, and Dane's like, okay, she's like, I don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's that evolution of that age. Yeah. You know, that's the fun really part do. about new adults. Yes. Like you said, mm-hmm. there's, a, I think we go through, you go through a lot of changes, but, and I know Dane's a super, un, I don't want to say unpopular, but polarizing figure. But I think because I already know where things go in the next books, to me, it's always like, back this down, back this down, back this down. And my editor, who's only read the first one, is like, hey, you should. And I was like, hold on, back this down, back this down, back this down. Because <laughs> I don't ever like people in fourth wing or in any book I write, people have motivation for doing something. Right. There's no just, I'm evil to be evil. There's mm-hmm. a distinct motivation. So Dane has motivations that, that people don't people don't see yet. Yeah. Dane reminded me what, I, I can never remember the character's name from Hunger Games. Not oh, PETA. It's not PETA. Gail. Gail, yeah. He gave me Gail vibes a little bit from Hunger Games. Okay. You know what I'm okay. About? Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Um, that. That's how I'm kind of like vibing with him right now. I'm just like, He's, okay, you're a little overbearing. You don't necessarily believe in her. You want to keep her safe. You want her to be yours. That was the like vibe I was getting. He's a little galish, except Dane would have, Dane would have volunteered to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So had, had like, if you were putting my characters in that situation, yeah. which is totally, totally different. Cause you know, hunger games is like the government killing kids to keep control. Right. These kids are dying because they want to go fly dragon riders or want to go fly dragons. And they're all, they're all volunteer. But in that case, were Violet to be called, you know, during that reaping for hunger games, Dane would have volunteered to go. Mm. That's that, that's that difference, that integrity. That is, yeah. yes, that is the difference is he has that, he has that, that moral, this is what's right. This is what I'll, yeah. I'll do, which is why she gets, I mean, he puts her in his squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm interested to see this evolution that you are alluding to. So excited. It's, it's fun. I think people, people make mistakes and yeah. without giving it away, like Dane, Dane makes some mistakes, like Dane yeah. makes some huge yeah. mistakes. And I think at that age, we're very impressionable and who's in your ear and who's talking to you mm. and who's telling you what's right and who's telling you what's wrong. And, um, so true. yeah, you know, and at that age, I think we're all 
learning. We're all moving from what we've been taught by our parents and our parents' house to getting off to college or starting our own lives. And what, what do we decide is, mm-hmm. is where we lean, I guess, for lack of a better term, which is fun. Cause I'm watching my, my own kids go through it and I'm like, Oh, look at you yeah. becoming all independent. It's super fun. It's such a good point. So Zayden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Incredible. What Thank you. think ultimately was that allure to him for Violet? You mean what like drew what yeah. drew her to him? Yeah. What um, ultimately drew her to besides the fact that he's hot? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, I think you always have to have an initial attraction. Like if you yeah. don't have that initial attraction, um, to me, it's, it's all like, you can fall in love with someone's appearance as you get to know them. I think my problem is that I've been married for like, I mean, I've been with my husband since I was 19. Right. So, and my husband sat down and I'd always dreamed about marrying someone with brown hair and green eyes and six foot four. My husband is six foot four brown hair, green eyes. So he sat down next to me at a karaoke bar and I was like, Oh, hi. Um, and I always want that moment for my characters. I always want them to have that, like, who moment where you have that initial physical reaction, which of course then immediately changes to, Oh dude, your dad killed my brother. Mm-hmm. And well, your mom killed my dad. So for her first, besides physical attraction, I think what attracts her to Zayden is, um, she wants to know kind of what he's up to. She, unfortunately, when she gets caught, she gets caught up in a tree harvesting things to, to beat her opponents with. And when she sees him having this very forbidden meeting, of other kids that have rebellion relics and what he's trying to do. There's a respect for him mm-hmm. for trying to help other, other cadets through the writer's quadrant. Cause the writer's quadrant, if you're the weakest, they're coming after you. Cause there's not enough dragons to bond to everyone. So if you kill off the weakest writers, you have a better chance of getting a dragon yourself and dragons want ruthless, um, not violent, but ruthless, strong cadets. Right. So I think she has that first attraction there and then I think he just befuddles her. Mm-hmm. So the fact that at any minute he's powerful enough to kill her whenever he wants, mm-hmm. whenever he wants. And she knows clearly he, he does. Like he's, he said that he wants revenge on her mother and he doesn't. And so I think that's a very curious line where she's like, why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you? And then he's the one who actually is suggesting things like, you know, the, right way isn't the only way figure that out actually if you're pinned under someone you're so small instead of saying you're so small I could kill you like this he says this is how you would kill me which you know we find out towards the end he's never really exposed himself with that kind of vulnerability Mm -hmm. so I think the way that he starts to push her is where that attraction definitely picks up into something more because unlike Dane who's like you have to get out of here Zayden's like this is how you survive here this is how you have to you have to evolve. Yeah. I love that because I think sometimes we can consider like that typical, um, like that male stereotype of like protector. And it's like, some folks take that as like, I'm going to create this bubble around you. And then someone's like, I'm going to hand you the weapon to protect yourself. And it's Zayden really like leans into that second one. And I, I think that's kind of what you're alluding to is that respect Mm -hmm. that she could Yeah. Maybe that's why I love him too. I know. I definitely love him. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. I love, I love him, but he's, 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 you know, lives in my head. Um, I think he definitely, especially when he starts equipping her with weapons and saying, these are too small for your hands. Like he 
is one of the first people who realizes that she can survive if she is given the correct accommodations, mm-hmm. right? Because someone with chronic illness shouldn't survive in this environment. Right. She should be dead. And if not for her wits and her brain and her, her training as a scribe, she would, she would have died in, in, in the first challenge. Mm-hmm. So not only is he equipping her, but kind of teaching her that she, she really can, she can survive and she, and she can make it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, after threshing, there's really no, there's really no choice like there's no choice to her surviving or, or they're, or they're both dead. So I just, I, I love him. And we worked really hard to say we, cause my, my poor editor, the, um, we went through the first phase of edits on this book. And then in the second phase, we had to get it to get the, the edges sprayed. So our deadline got super tight and I flew to Texas and like lived in her house for three weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> while we finished this, this, the last round of the edits and I would be set up at her dining room table and she would be like in her living room and she'd say, what about this? And I'm like, no, this, and I would do this. And she was like, well, look at that. And I'm like, okay. So we went back and forth and we just wanted to really make sure that everything about their relationship was super respectful and not yeah. toxic. Mm. Cause there are so many ways in fantasy to go toxic, to go overprotective, to right. go to where that character loses her agency. Right. Mm. So I think Zayden allows her to keep, to keep her agency. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And also just, you mentioned it a few times and I want to call it out. Like, I love that you wrote a character who suffers from a chronic illness. And I say suffer, I really should say like manages to do incredible things while, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for while managing the, the symptoms of her chronic illness. And it's just, it's inspiring to see someone who is suffering in these ways that she can't help. It's just who she is physically, um, but still managed to overcome them. It's just really beautiful to read. Thanks. It's a fine, I think it's a fine line, especially having it. I have it um, and my four sons have it. So which is all of my biological children, which is funny because like you should only give it to 50% of the people. And then I, every child I popped out is like, have some other stainless. Um, it's a really fine line between what she can accomplish, what she needs accommodations for, what she's willing to accept accommodations for mm-hmm. and where she needs the break. So mentioning that some days she does need the break. She can't, she can't do it was important to me because I never wanted to say like, you should be out there climbing dragons and writing dragons. If you could do this, she needs those accommodations. And I love the war within herself of, can I have these accommodations and still be, and still be a writer? And her dragon's like, well, yeah, I'm the one that decides. So thank you. I really, I love Violet. She's, I like that she's smart. And I think that in fantasy, we see so many powered heroines, which I love because I I would love some magical powers, like bring them on. Um, But I love that she also, has a limitation, like has a limitation on them. So, so it brings in a little bit more realism, I would say. Yeah. I love that. Thanks. Um, so kind of switching gears to writing and publishing in general, um, yeah. do you have any advice that you'd give to somebody who's, you know, looking to write a book for the first time? Um, yeah. Writing a book for the first time is daunting and it's scary because I mean, Every time I open a Word document, I'm like, this is a book that's never going to get done. I think I feel that way every single time I open one. Um, if you write a page a day, you'll have a book in a year. Wow. So, I, I mean, I didn't play. either. That's crazy. I mean, depending on your plot, like right. you're out there writing 600 
600 page books, we should talk about debuts and, and word count <laughs> expectations. But for the most part, if you write a page a day or even two with your word count, it is accomplishable, but it's, it's, I think we overestimate what we can accomplish in a day and underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. Yeah. So just keep taking the bites and even when you're tired, just opening the laptop and getting down a page mm-hmm. is progress. It's a page you didn't have there before. So that's always my best advice for, for new authors and for authors who are querying or choosing traditional, cause you don't have to go traditional, but if you're choosing traditional, your first book is not your only book. Mm-hmm. So write something else while that book's on sub. Because a lot of, I've seen a lot of writers get hung up on that very first book and they won't let it go. Mm. So take that book and, and put it aside and let it go on sub or do whatever it is and move on to the next one and just keep honing your craft. Okay. So who are some authors that you admire? Oh God, why, why? <laughs> so the problem with having been an author for, or published for about 10 years now is that's like asking me to pick my friends. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, who did you mention on the podcast? <laughs> um, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe um, reframe it to like when you were growing up. Yeah. So you don't have to worry oh, your friends. <laughs> sure. I think, and also remember growing up, I think we had less access to knowing what authors were like. And so it's really harsh for me to look back now and see some of my favorite authors growing up that have turned out to be somewhat problematic. So for giving me that because I was a kid and we didn't have the internet when I was a kid, right? I know that old. Um, I really, like, I loved Mercedes Lackey. Heralds of Aldemar was the first series that I fell into and that I could see um, a heroine who who was unsure of herself. And I really loved that. I loved Dragon Riders of Pern. I loved Jude Devereaux. Mm-hmm. Jude Devereaux. Like, I think I was reading romance, like in the back of my parents' car, at, like the age of 11, like super uncensored. Um, it, it turned out well, it turned out well. And I always joke about that with my parents when they're like, well, and of course you have all the sex in your books. I'm like, right, dude, I was reading your books. Like at the age of 12, like, where do you think I got this from? My mom was like, good point. Um, so I really fell in love with with those fantasy authors. I like to be C. Andrews because mm-hmm. you're talking about like, you're talking about old school. Yeah. Um, contem- contemporarily, like Gina Maxwell and Cindy Matson are two of my best friends and they um, they keep me at the keys every day. Like we have a routine where we get up and we like text like, all right, we're working, sit down and 30 minute sprints and and we work and we work on those. I it's love great. that. That's it's, it's funny because if two of them aren't working for something, I'm like, this doesn't work. Like one of you has to, I'm sorry. One of you has to stop whatever it is you're doing. You have a doctor's appointment. I'm so sorry. We have to work now. Someone has to come back and, and sprint with me. Cause I'm, I'm so codependent, but it, <laughs> put it mildly. Yeah. Well, um, just to wrap things up, fourth wing, second book, when yeah. details, hints, teasers, what can you give us? Oh, okay. Um, well, it comes out in November. That's public. Yeah. It's already, That's so fast. I know. Right. No, no pressure. Um, it is, um, it's up for pre-order already. They, they had that, um, we have a title, but it's not released yet. So okay. look at me, not Tom Hollanding that, yes. um, Proud of you. what can I, I know me too. Like really, I'm like, and it's this, and this is what the cover looks like. No, I just saw the cover, um, 
they just finalized it, I think, yesterday, and I died. I just, I died. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, What can I tell you? I can tell you that because the first one ends on a cliffhanger, which I think is pretty, pretty much out there. Crazy, yeah. Crazy cliffhanger. That was, and honestly, that moment was one that I had seen, like, as I was plotting, I was like, and this is how this moment, this moment ends. It's one of those really fun things. And I'm glad I write linearly because I had to get there to write it. Because if I'd written that, I'd be like, eh, whatever, the fun part's over. (laughs) Um, So book two, I have to write her out of the situation in which she finds herself. See how non-spoilery that that was? (laughs) And, And she has to come to grasps with whose side of a conflict she really stands on and what she believes is <sighs> ah, because she's sorry for those of you who can't see me I'm searching the skies for an answer that doesn't give everything away um Violet has to come to terms with what she's willing to defend mm. and what's not worth defending mm. okay and she also has to come to grips with the fact that she's in love with this guy who's never really loved anyone before and when push comes to shove when it comes to romance satan has like the emotional maturity of like a middle schooler like he's never (laughs) been in love before so he has no idea how to handle how to handle that um and because he keeps so much from her which it's in book one everyone knows he's not you know um what you know how 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 they can disclose that and how they can move forward in a relationship where they're left um book two I think what's intriguing to me about it is again that first scene with with Dane when they are in the courtyard and he's like gotta call the Masons so he's so relaxed that's that's Violet going into year two Mm. going into year two she's no longer scared of dragons she's no longer scared of you know she doesn't have gauntlet she doesn't have threshing she doesn't have presentation but what she does have are people who are trying to kill her for what she knows now. Mm. So that's going to be so interesting to see like the shift from just like fear of life in general to fear for like a specific thing. It is. And there's one line I will say it's unedited. It's my editor's like, take that line out. Um, there's a moment where Zayden tells her, you know, the first year is where most of us lose our lives. And the second year is where the rest of us lose our humanity. Oh, So because that's cool. It's like the kids are dying left and right, right? At least in the writer's quadrant. You're you're safer in the healers. Like go be go be healer. Like they're not, you know. Um, but when you when you're through that 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 gauntlet of the first year, you're safer, but you're watching all these younger kids die. Yeah. yeah. So so that's what I would say for the for the for public consumption of the second book. Yes. We are that's- so excited yeah like cannot even I'm tell glad. you how excited yes. we are we both when I'm we so finished glad. it we were like five stars easy oh, like screaming you. about the ending that twist neither of us guessed no the twist oh yay so you did and and we feel like we we do a pretty good job of guessing pretty the ending decent. of books at this point so 10 out of 10 yes. all of this was phenomenal also Please. your your Thank tagline you. like one Ugh. dragon earn one so here for so that tagline. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Makes me that makes me happy. Oh, I will tell you the the tagline for the second book. As Entangled yells at me, is "Burn it down." <gasps> so, um, so I will say that, and I'm going to hope that they're not going to like come after me and be like Rebecca. I was legit terrified, and I think writing it, um, because I wrote 
I wrote the synopsis in the first chapter and then they're like, we need the first 50. And then I wrote the first 50 pages and then it just kind of, it became its own life force. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, suddenly they're, they're like, okay, we're at auction in Germany. We're at auction in the UK. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, they have 50 pages. And they're like, right, right. And I said, but you're judging like a marathon runner off the first like hundred yards. <laughs> and, and they're like, no, this is, this is going to be great. And I'm like, okay, all right. So it's still really surreal to see that it's, um, I guess doing, doing what it's, what it's doing or what, what confidence they have in it is really humbling. And it's been super fun because it is, it is terrifying to jump genres. It really, I'm it sure. really is. But you're crushing it. You're doing so good. Oh God, thanks. We'll see. I, 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 leave, I leave room for Eric. That's I'm in the middle of writing book two. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we can't wait. I know. But Rebecca, it has been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. You've Thank been you so fun me. to talk to. You're such a fun personality. I can't, I, this is my first book of yours that I've read. And I'm really excited to dig into your contemporary romance too, because just loved reading your book. Yep. Thank you. Those will make you cry though. Just so you know, no, like, I, love, I, mean, I love a good cry. I love it. <laughs> those are all right. Just, I'll, I'll you know, don't throw, throw them at me. in a good though, before. <laughs> okay, good. Cause they're, over there. they're, they're very different. We'll put it that way. Um, okay, but wait, they're very much more emotional. Rebecca, are in yeah. this book series. Yeah. Are we mm-hmm. going to cry also? Like, is that, is that coming? Are you going to torture us in that way as well? Well, like book two or like book two, just within this fourth wing series, are you planning on torturing us as well and making us cry? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a baby. That's a that's, baby. That face scares a me a little bit. Well, no, I'm looking cause I'm trying to think like, well, I mean, from people who die, like there's definitely, I mean, without giving away, there's a scene in fourth wing that I bawled writing. Um, Oh, oh but, my God. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, I forgot. But, you already made us cry. Yes. I oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't, I mean, don't, don't stress there. Um, <laughs> but I think like, especially having to, like, I had to write the series synopsis out a couple of days ago for something. And I was like, like, who, we need to know who's going to die in, in each, you know, in each book. And I'm like, wait, what? Like ahead of time? I don't like, I usually just pick whoever's going to hurt the most. And then and I roll that way. Um, that no, I don't, no, there's I, always a, there's always what? a purpose. That hurt so bad. I don't know how I forgot about that. We absolutely don't cried. Don't stress. Yes. Don't stress. Um, but yeah, I think there's knowing what's planned because the whole series is plotted. Um, so knowing what's coming up, I think there's probably at least parts that will be a slightly torturous for which I apologize, but are necessary. I love it. It's good. It's all <laughs> that good. way. Are you, is this a trilogy by the way? right now I think I hope I'm allowed to publicly say right now it's five I started yeah so I started writing um I started writing book two and the way it's arced um it started arcing with the timeline because because Zayden's graduated right Mm -hmm. and because because of Terrence Segale and how they have to see each other, the timeline couldn't move as quickly. Like when you skip time, like you do in fourth wing, like you can say a month has passed and we're learning this and that. And so I went to my editor and I was like, well, I think, I really think this book is arced over six months. It's not arced over a full year because of what needs to happen in this timeline. And I said, but if we do it that way, it would probably require the series being five books. And and she's like, done. (laughs) I didn't even, and I was like, well, no, no, I want you to think like, I want you to think about it. She's like, no, no thinking done. Five. It's five. So right now it's at, That's exciting. it's at five okay books. That, so. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I promise it's all plotted. It's, it's not like, draw, we're not drawing it out for funsies. It's all plotted out. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you pick up a copy of Rebecca's book, Fourth Wing, 
five stars easy um and rebecca once again it was so fun chatting with you yeah thank you, you so much too. you guys too all right well we'll talk to y'all next week bye bye Thank you so much for listening to A Court of Fairies and Fangirls, a Sarah J. Mass fan podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and let us know what you think. Check out our Patreon for more ways to support and connect with us for as low as $1 a month. You can also find us on Instagram at, at @fairiesandfangirls. Jump in on the conversation, and we look forward to chatting with you more next week. Bye. Bye.